Hello, readers. My name is Jason Jeffries, and this is a bookend brought to you by Quail Ridge Books, Raleigh, North Carolina's trusted community bookstore. My guest today is Peter Heller, the best-selling author of Dog Stars, The Painter, Celine, and many others. His latest book is The River, published by our friends at Vintage. Peter, welcome to the program. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks. Yeah, it's an honor to have you here. And my first question for you, Peter, is one that I'm asking every author that I'm interviewing at this time, and it is a two-part question. Uh, The first part is, how are you doing in the world right now with everything that is going on surrounding COVID-19? And the second part is, how are you handling the marketing of your book, specifically the paperback of your book, The River, during this time? Um, Well, so the first question... um I don't know. I, I, I'm a little shy to say that I'm sort of enjoying the slowing down, and I'm shy to say it because I know that whole communities are being ravaged, and you know, there's just a lot, a lot of people who are uncertain about the rent check and maybe how to get food on the table. And I know it is a, a really, really scary time. And then not, you know not to say anything of um, people working in the hospitals and all the people that are really sick so um, it's a it's a weird little bit of dissonance in that you know I'm very aware of uh, how much suffering is going on and, and, and you know for me life isn't so different you know for a writer I mean I get up in the morning and my coffee you know I go to work I write and it seems easier now um, oddly to focus because I'm not you know, before I did a lot of traveling, I I would um, have a cabin in the mountains and I would, I would run out there and, you know, go fishing or, you know, go do a speaking event somewhere across the country or travel for, you know, to, um, to fish or, you know, to get away. And uh, so I'm not doing any of that now. I'm just, you know, riding my bike with my wife from home or riding down to the South Platte, which runs through Denver. Um, doing a little urban fishing, <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, it's quiet and it's it's all right. And you know, I've had a lot of wonderful conversations with old friends. You know, reconnecting because people feel like doing that. I'm grateful for that. So that part, you know, is 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 okay. Um, the marketing part, um, you know, I sort of leave that up to the experts. <laughs> it's beyond my pay grade. So. They seem to be doing a good job, you know. The, the somehow the, the word of the book is has gotten out and it's doing well, selling online. So, um, you know, I think all in all, it's you know the best it could be hoped for right at the moment. Excellent, thank you so much, Peter. And let's talk about your fantastic new book the river i read this book in one sitting and i have a son who just turned four so with that and the inability for anyone to really leave their house right now you can imagine how much of an accomplishment that was for me um (laughs) and and peter what a fantastic read um the writing in this book is spectacular and i don't really talk about this much on these podcasts but i do want to point out from the beginning for our listeners that this is a plot driven novel that has the most poetically beautiful language that will have you stop and savoring the words on the page. Um, Bravo, Peter. And 
now that that is out of the way, let's get to my question. The river, of course. <laughs> but wait, let me interject right there. I just really appreciate that. It, it means a lot from a from a passionate reader. That, that that's that's always wonderful to hear. So thanks. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> Peter. Well deserved. Um, the river, of course, takes place on a river. Uh, I got my bachelor's degree at the University of South Carolina, where James Dickey taught for many years. So I'm very familiar with river novels. Uh, where does your book fit amongst these other works of river novels? I think of Deliverance, Sutri, Huckleberry Finn, Heart of Darkness. Uh, and were any of these books particularly influential? Oh, man, you just listed, you know, some of my favorite books on earth. So <laughs> <laughs> I know those, I, I know them all really well. And um, man, I thought Sutri was such a, such a good book. Um, I, I guess Huck Finn might be my, my favorite book on the planet um, Deliverance you know was written by a guy who started out as a poet and mm. you know ended his life you know was a poet all through his life mm. I really really appreciated the language in Deliverance along with you know how compelling it was um, story wise mm. so um, you know I think I, I you know I, I spent um, most of my life as a river runner and as a kayaker and um, had a deep love of rivers and you know some of my very favorite works, you know, not the ones that we mentioned, but but other works like, you know, Heart of Darkness, like The Adventures and Misadventures of the Crow by Lutis and Columbia, which starts out with an up the river story, which is which is um, mind blowing. Mm. I just I just love river stories and I just love rivers. And one thing I love about them is that when you're paddling one that hasn't been run maybe or that you know, you, you hasn't been described to you. When you come around a tight bend in a, in a canyon, um, you don't know what's going to be there. It could be a mountain lion drinking or a flight of swallows or, you know, five people with bows and arrows mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're on the right river. But I love that, that, that running a river is like a narrative and you kind of put on and you let the current carry you into some country that you've never been in before and you don't know what's around the corner. So when I start sat down to write fiction I wanted the process of writing to be like running a river that I didn't know and so I just start with the first line don't plot don't know what's going to happen and, and just let it rip and just um, you know at every turn I'm, I'm surprised and shocked I, and I just want to have as much fun as the reader excellent thank you so much and I want to go back for a moment to talk about the appearance of the words on the page to talk about the words um there's extra spacing between your paragraphs uh is this something that you made a choice to do and that means something to the rhythm of your writing or is it an editorial decision yeah yeah no 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 that um when i sat down to write my first novel um the dog stars uh, i had in mind you know the other thing that I did throughout my life was write a lot of poetry and so some of my favorite works are really really lyrical fiction and I was really impressed by a book that I had read by this guy Kuetzi or Kuetzi however you pronounce the South Mm. African brilliant writer um into the heart of the country he it's sort of a mosaic of these um prose poem Piles, and each one is numbered. And so you have these little sections, they might be just a paragraph or it might be a page or a few pages and they're, they're numbered and they're, it's, it, he lays these tiles in and it, it, has, it gives this sort of mosaic feel to it. And I loved what that 
having these discrete little sections did to the compression of the language and then how it sort of made each little piece more meaningful. So that stuck in my mind. And also I read a book by, by um, Peter Matheson, mm-hmm. um, Far Tortuga, in which um, he does sort of the same tile-like thing where he'll have like, descriptions of the country it's about these fishermen down in the Caribbean and then um, it'll be a little piece of dialogue and then you'll turn a page and it'll be a poem. I really love that. And so when I sat down to write The Dog Stars, I just ended up thinking, you know, I wanted to make tiles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I spaced out, you know, these um, sections of writing and I added more space between you know in the dialogue and I, I just liked what that did to the rhythm and I, I liked it so much I kept it up to the rest, rest of the, the three more novels that I wrote <laughs> Excellent, thank you so much Peter um, I now want to ask you a couple of questions to introduce our listeners to the novel before diving in a little deeper. There are two protagonists in this novel, The River, Jack and Wynne, who have been close friends for a long while, but who have vastly different personalities. Can you introduce our listeners to Jack and Wynne? Sure. Um, These are two best friends from college. They met the first day of college on an orientation backpacking trip in the White Mountains. Jack is a ranch kid from Western Colorado. Uh, he spent, you know, half his life in the saddle, so cooking a meal on an outdoor fire or sleeping under the stars are like second nature to this kid. And and he's tough uh, the way those those guys are. You know, cold, wet, hunger. Don't you know? It's not good or bad. You get through it. It's all right. And. He suffered a tragedy, which I won't mention, I don't want to spoil it, when he was like 11, you know, as bad as it can get. And he sort of withdrew uh, and it made him kind of wary of the world and he really got into reading. Uh, he was became a voracious reader. Uh, he loves to fish and spend time on his horse. And, and so that's Jack. Wynn is sort of a gentle giant, he's 6'5", he grew, he's an architect, son from Vermont. He loves to make ephemeral art, you know, a la Goldsworthy, kind of, you know, art out of rocks and sticks and feathers. And he expects, unlike Jack, who's wary, he expects, Wynn expects the best of everybody, you know. He's just sort of like a black lab that way. And um, those are these two guys, and they're both consummate outdoorsmen. They love to canoe, they love to fish, they climb. And they have a, a, a really, they, and they both love to read. And so they're, they're always talking about the books they're reading. Right. Excellent. Thank you so much, Peter. And um, speaking of how they both read, uh, can you talk about this and maybe a little bit more broadly about what it means as a young person to find someone in the world with interests similar to yours? Yeah. You know, Jack, he mentions that, you know, in the book, in the narrative, he's, there's a few lines about how Jack is just so surprised, you know, on that first backpacking trip, they got excited talking about books and art and and fishing, and they got were so excited talking about all that, they kind of outstripped, rambled out ahead of the group by a couple miles, mm. and uh, excited as well to find another kid, you know, who was, is into the same things as they were especially surprised to find someone who loved to read so much um jack never imagined that there would be another kid his age who was um a voracious reader but also could handle himself in the woods 
and um, you know they it just means a lot to these guys so you know part of the reason I decided to spend they both work in the summer that this book takes place they both both work as outdoor guides in the Adirondacks and then in mid-August they head up into Canada and they're going to blow a bunch of their savings on a flight into these lakes with a canoe and they're going to spend an entire month just canoeing this very wild river um, with no no agenda and they're going to call for the flight out when they get there they're not going to have a set date they just want to immerse themselves into the rhythms of the country you know talk about books pick blueberries fish paddle it doesn't work out like that <laughs> <laughs> right on thank you so much peter uh listeners we're going to take a short break for a word from our sponsor and then i will be right back with peter heller the Book and Podcast is sponsored by Libro FM Audiobooks. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore, Quail Ridge Books. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name, but you'll be part of a much different story. One that supports community. Listeners of Bookin can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter Bookin, B-O-O-K-I-N, in the promo code space. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. I'm back with Peter Heller, the author of The River, published by our friends at Vintage. Peter, there is a moment early in the novel when Wynne, having fled a scene with a rich girlfriend where he was shamed in front of her mother for not being familiar with eggs, Florentine is boiling sugar in a shack with his father. And there's a sentence that reads, The fire crackled under the long pan of clear sap, and he and his dad didn't say much, but he was aware enough. He'd read enough fiction, he guessed, to realize that these might be the best hours he and his father ever spent together. And can you talk about this type of realization and explain what the reading of fiction has to do with it? Yeah, you know, I think that comes from my own experience, having been, you know, I pretty much just read fiction and, mm. and poetry. I, don't, I, I read a little nonfiction, but not a lot. And um, I think it gives you this awareness, um, if you read a lot of fiction, of scenes and times in your life that might be rich with meaning. <laughs> mm. Uh, because writers, you know, they put those in the books for, for a reason um, and be, be because they mean something and because they move the story forward. And when I experience one of those in my life, mm. uh, it's sort of, you know, I get this resonance, this sort of ring from, you know, the novels that I've read, you know, this sort of feeling like, hey, I, I'm right now in real time in a, in a scene that feels like something out of a novel that feels like it means something it's mm -hmm. not it's sort of like reading fiction trains you to apprehend um meaning and resonance and so i think that's where that comes from i don't know you've probably had that experience too. yeah yeah absolutely and thank you so much peter um 
I want to take a moment to introduce our listeners to a few more characters from this novel. Uh, Jack and Wynn, throughout the course of this novel, The River, excluding flashbacks and the epilogue, encounter just four other people uh, throughout the course of the story. And first, there is Brent and J.D., who are the sort of redneck drunkards that they first run into along the river. Um, Jack and Wynn have seen a fire, and they try to warn these men, Brent and J.D., about it, but they are too much in their cups for concern. Uh, Can you talk about Brent and J.D. by way of introduction for our listeners? Yeah, I mean, these are two guys that when they're first encountered by Jack and Wynn, they're camped on the uh, north end of this little island, and uh, they got lawn chairs, and they've got uh, fishing rods and a rifle, and a um, they have a, a electric motor on their boat um, that's beached on the gravel, and they're they're pretty much warmed up mm-hmm. <laughs> by the time in early you know in the morning, mm-hmm. um, and they're from Texas and. They present as kind of like hapless rednecks, and what we find out later is that they're not hapless at all, that they're probably really friggin' smart, and that they're extremely competent, and that they're, that they're Marines, and that they're, you know, they've been best friends for a long time, and uh, so th- it was interesting writing those guys, because they, they surprised me. Right. Um, and the other two characters that Jack and Wynn encounter, of course, are Pierre and Maya. Uh, Pierre and Maya are a couple who Jack and Wynn can hear arguing as they pass by a certain spot on the river. And they, Jack and Wynn, uh, decide to leave them alone. But later they make the decision to turn around and warn this arguing couple about the approaching fire. Uh, Jack and Wynn eventually meet both Pierre and Maya, but they don't meet them together. Pierre, can you introduce our listeners um, to Maya and Pierre? Sure. I'll try and do it without a spoiler. It's a couple that are um, both uh, geochemists, Mm -hmm. and they do these studies of watersheds in very remote places. Uh, and you know they they're used to going by canoe together uh, for weeks at a time and they trade off doing studies where one will be you know authoring a study and the other will be their you know assistant for the, for that trip and that paper and they're on one of those trips now and things go a little bit awry or maybe a lot, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's from a very wealthy uh, Rhode Island family, the Browns, you know, um, you know, Brown University, and um, so uh, yeah, it, um, they have a little bit of, I'd say, you know, domestic problem mm-hmm. <laughs> on the river. Put it mildly. Right on. Thank you, Peter. And I've mentioned this fire a couple of times. Um, Let's talk about that for a moment. Did you do much research into these um, forest fires or ecological disasters when you were preparing to write the river to discover, you know, how fast burns go or how uh, the fire leaps over the river, etc.? No, uh, not really. Um, I did a little. Uh, mm. I experienced uh, in 1994. I was um, it was the same weekend as a, as a terrible fire that we had in Colorado over by Glenwood Springs, mm. um, in which 12 wildland firefighters lost their lives. And that same weekend, I was 
um, not very far away, the other side of the Mesa. Mm -hmm. We were experiencing the same conditions, and I got involved in a um, trying to save my dear friend's house from an approaching wall of flames that um, that blew up in, mm -hmm. in a wind gust and you know came within seconds of overrunning all of us and it made a deep impression on me you know we were, i was driving down a really rugged track with a cat inside this old truck claudette c-l-a-w mm -hmm. <laughs> uh uh tearing back and forth in the cabin as we were like driving down through um first smoke then smart sparks then flames and you could hear the trees exploding and you know it it made a deep impression on me and i think a lot of the sense data in the book came from that afternoon and uh then i called um this guy jim mason he was the fire chief in glenwood springs at the time of that tragedy and he was so helpful he explained to me more about the science of the fire and why just because you're on a river that's a quarter mile across and you're you know on the far side of the fire doesn't mean you're safe because the rolling smoke that our gases can ignite and flash over and you know turn anything to toast you know that's on the water and um he explained to me why you know you hear that screaming you know the trees sort of make this screaming sound and it's actually the it's the sap in the tree the water in the tree um, boiling out through the cells and makes that sound so so jim mason was like hugely helpful i had, I had a couple of good conversations with him about it Nice. Thank you, Peter. And finally, I want to circle back around to the beginning uh, of this conversation when I asked you about the influence of other works of literature concerning rivers. But now I want to ask you about the influence of another great work of literature that you bring up a few times in this novel, and that is Dante's Inferno. Can you talk about how the Inferno colors this great novel of yours, The River? Well, it's been one of my favorite works of poetry <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I might say something about my personality <laughs> uh, but um, you know that the language in there you know they, you know, if you, I don't know Italian but, I, I, but I've read a lot of the Inferno out loud in Italian just to get the rhythm of it mm. and the sound of the language and it's just it's just so beautiful the Terzarima's you know unbelievably beautiful and you know you couple the beauty of that the beauty of the sound of that language coupled with the um with the power and starkness of the imagery um it's very 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 powerful and so uh, yeah I, I think i think that made an impression on me too Excellent. Thank you so much, Peter. Listeners, I have been speaking with Peter Heller, author of The River, published by our friends at Vintage. Copies of The River can be ordered at www.quailridgebooks.com, along with any other books you like, with free shipping. Peter, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Once again, I would like to thank Peter Heller for joining me. Copies of The River can be ordered from www.quailridgebooks.com with free shipping. I would also like to thank our sponsor, Libro.fm Audiobooks. Please navigate over to Libro.fm and enter the promo code BOOKIN, that's B-O-O-K-I-N, in the promo code space to get three months of audiobooks for the price of one. My name is Jason Jefferies, and this has been Bookin'.